Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. is done and week eight is here and thank goodness week seven was a weird one and not in the best way especially with all the players who got hurt and all of a sudden these confusing backfields that have emerged the Chiefs Panthers Jets and the Falcons we'll talk about each one of them and how to value those players moving forward we'll briefly discuss the injuries and what to expect from then obviously things change and of course I will have defenses and kickers to stream that's how we end some general trade strategies and oh my goodness probably the saddest conclusion I've come to this fantasy season the biggest heartbreak all year the move you unfortunately have to make all right here on the breakout football podcast on the believe network sponsored by prize picks I'm Zach Cohen of the 33rd team at Zach Cohen FB on all social media. As always, all data comes from true media unless I say otherwise. And oh my gosh, the injuries this week. Brees Hall out for the season. Mike Williams banged up. DK Metcalf banged up. David Njoku banged up. Amon Ra St. Brown was concussed. Mark Andrews hurt his knee. As of this recording, he may have already sat out Thursday Night Football, but it's trending towards him not playing at all. Daniel Bellinger will miss time. Matt Ryan, if you still somehow had him, will miss time. All big names you could have started. You probably started in week seven. You can't be doing that anymore. And the replacements. Look, I do a waiver wire column every week for the 33rd team. This week had to tag in Nick Bodiford. He is awesome. He does a lot of good data, puts in a lot of good work to this column. But there aren't really many good options. There are a couple running backs you could add if you lost your flex or if you lost Brees Hall. But we'll get to that in a little bit because there is one player who's probably on your team. Oh, man, it doesn't need to be anymore. It's sad, but Kyle Pitts, you can be dropped. It is a sad time for everyone who thought he would live up to being the tight end three in fantasy. That was his ADP. I had said prior to the season, I don't think that's an accurate ADP, but I don't think anyone expected him to be this ineffective. It's not even that he's been bad, just the usage has not been there. I wouldn't say he's a must drop for everyone. Obviously, everyone's situations are different. Maybe you have no other tight end. Maybe it's a deep league and there aren't any better tight ends. Shoot for the upside of Kyle Pitts, I guess, but by no means should he be in any starting lineup. I think that is pretty certain. It's just so confusing seeing the Falcons Take on the Bengals. And I say take on as if they had a chance. They really didn't. The Bengals were up 21-0 to at the end of the first quarter. You think Arthur Smith would throw the ball a little bit more, right? But no. The Falcons had a 35.6% pass rate in neutral situations following that first quarter. You heard that right. That is not a good pass rate. For comparison, the Falcons passing in neutral situations has been at a league low 43% over the last four weeks. So they were actually running the ball at a higher rate, down 21 flipping points by the end of the first quarter. Arthur Smith, man, 
you're really leading an offense that we cannot trust in fantasy football. We will get to this backfield in a little bit, but for Pitts, he's had two games of 10-plus points. Ironically, he's scored 3.9 fantasy points three times and 3.5 points once. He's just not a player you can trust moving forward. Honestly, he's probably wasting a spot on your roster. If Evan Engram, Greg Dulcich, heck, even Taysom Hill, if they are available in your league, they are better options than Pitts. Let's talk about some backfields. There's a lot of running back questions going on right now, especially with Brees Hall out for the season. So why don't we start there in New York? And I want to start with this tweet I sent out following the James Robinson trade to the Jets. I said, quote, while I think James Robinson should get a bump here as the Jets' main early down back, his injury does bear some caution. If anything, this deal cements Travis Etienne as a must start and it likely keeps Michael Carter on your bench. That's what I said. My sentiments are still the same here. Whether Robinson's injury is something that keeps him out of week eight, as of this recording, we do not know. I will say, if Robinson is not playing, don't forget about Ty Johnson. Fantasy relevant? Probably not. But to think Carter will be a bell cow back is a little naive, considering Johnson has been seeing some work, especially on third downs. But Carter would be a pretty sturdy flex play going into week eight. He does face New England, and they have allowed the fourth fewest fantasy points to running backs this season. So it's not the greatest matchup, but obviously his role in the passing game and just as the best remaining Jets running back should give you some sense of safety in starting him. But moving forward, we really shouldn't know how to value James Robinson and Michael Carter. I think on the surface, you have Carter as the third down pass catching back. You have Robinson as the first, second down back, the short yardage, the goal line back, which is extremely valuable. That's really valuable. But he also hasn't been that good. And the Jets offensive line just lost Elijah Vera Tucker. It's banged up. This Jets offense is not producing a lot of fantasy-relevant players right now. So if James Robinson can suit up and he is playing a full workload or a regular workload coming into Week 8 against the Patriots, I don't think you could start a single Jets running back. And that may be the case moving forward. We'll just have to take this data, take their workloads, and see how that projects out through the rest of the season. Obviously, if you are not following this show, this is something we will talk about throughout the rest of the season. So smash that follow button. I don't know. I think that's that's the least corny way I can think of saying it, but came out pretty corny. My bad. Speaking of another head-scratching backfield, the Chiefs announced before their game that Isaiah Pacheco would be the starting running back. And we've known all season long that the starting running back in Kansas City was more just a label for the depth charts. It's not actually how they use them. Because CEH and Jarek McKinnon each played 42% of the snaps this season. And McKinnon was actually the snap leader each of the last three games. And Edwards Alaire was not producing like he was at the beginning of the season. Look, there's a reason that I sold you a few weeks ago, hey, you better trade CEH now. He is the number one trade high candidate. And now we're kind of seeing those effects of this backfield. But coming into the game still this past weekend, there was some sense that Pacheco could finally be a fantasy-relevant running back in Kansas City. He led all Chiefs running backs in touches and yards, but he was outscored by Clyde, and he was outscored by McKinnon. Again, that's nothing new. The idea of a starter is subjective with a lot of backfields right now, most of the ones we're talking about for sure. Now, each of those three running backs are fine enough 
and in a good enough position where they should be on your team, I wouldn't say McKinnon is a priority. I wouldn't say Pacheco is a priority flex. I don't think Pacheco should be in starting lineups. I don't really think Clyde should be in starting lineups. I guess if anyone, I guess CEH is probably the best back still because he is the only one that's actually done something this season. He was the one that was scoring. But take out those touchdowns and it's pretty clear that he's been touchdown dependent. That's not sustainable. So if you didn't trade him already... Maybe you can still try to trade him, but for now, you're not starting any Chiefs running back, and you might not throughout the rest of the season. It really just kind of comes down to that. We don't know which one will be getting the valuable workload because that has been changing. It just changes last week. It might change this next week because they are on a buy in week eight. So in week nine, things might change. Obviously, you're not starting either of them this week. Please don't give me any start-sit questions about that. But moving forward... You cannot trust a Chiefs running back, similarly to how you cannot trust a Jets running back. Now, normally this is the part where I give you my player prop of the week, but I looked at a lot of the prize picks props, and they're still updating them as of this recording, so I didn't feel comfortable giving y'all something I don't truly believe in. But I will, and if you follow me on social media, you will get those. Last week, four for five on props that I suggested in here. Two weeks ago, four for five as well. A week before that... Five for five. Like, it, it's been really, really good. I'm normally giving my number one prop here. And if you're not on prize picks, feel free to use my code ZCOIN to sign up and deposit. They will give you a 100% deposit match. You put in 10 bucks, guess what? You're getting 10 bucks back that you can use right then and there. You put in 100 bucks, I think you get the idea. It's a free $100. Prize picks, sign up. Deposit code ZCOHEN, Z-C-O-H-E-N, the names on the logo of this Breakout Football Podcast. But let's keep it moving. There are a few more backfields I want to talk about before we get into some general trade strategies. And finally, kickers and defenses to stream in Week 8. The big commotion the past week was not the James Robinson trade, but rather the other fantasy running back who got traded. You know that Christian McCaffrey guy sent to San Francisco? No big deal. Naturally, everyone was scrambling toward picking up either Chuba Hubbard or Deontay Foreman, or in a couple cases, both. And both of them had pretty darn good days against a Tampa Bay defense that was a top three defense against fantasy running backs. What the hell happened? Where Where is Tampa Bay right now? Did they stay retired? Tom Brady should have stayed retired. It sounds like everyone's still been on vacation down in Tampa Bay. My goodness. But against them, Hubbard had nine carries for 63 rushing yards and a touchdown. He caught two of his three targets for 15.3 fantasy points. Foreman had 15 carries, 118 rushing yards, didn't score, caught both of his targets, and had 16.5 fantasy points. On the surface, clearly, Foreman looks like he did better. However, he did have a 60-yard run. And hat tip to Nathan Jonke of PFF. He's been on the podcast before. Good dude. Smart dude. Hubbard played 22 snaps over the first three quarters compared to 14 for Deontay Foreman. That's not a whole lot of snaps for running backs. But again, they were up. So you would imagine they'd be running the ball a little bit more. They weren't. Here's the kicker. Hubbard hurt his ankle. That happened at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So Foreman in the fourth quarter saw 11 carries. He saw 11 carries. Hubbard throughout the game also doubled Foreman's carries on third down snaps. So when Hubbard came out, Foreman took that role. That's why it makes it look like Foreman is the running back to own. Honestly, both are pretty solid 
bench players right now. Hubbard apparently could have been back in this game, so that injury isn't really something you should be worrying about for Week 8. I still like Hubbard better, though. If he is hurt and can't suit up, Foreman, flex play for sure. If Hubbard is active, I'd consider flexing Hubbard. And I would consider flexing Foreman maybe at a little bit less of an eagerness. Like, I guess they're a little more desperate. Carolina's schedule in the future isn't the greatest. They do face Atlanta twice in the next three weeks, including week eight. But hey, Atlanta is still bottom 12 in fantasy points to running backs. So that's that's a fine matchup. That's good enough. And we don't even know what's that going to entail. Is Atlanta going to go up and Carolina's going to be passing the ball a lot? That kind of paves the way for Chuber. Chuba. Chuba, Chuber, Chuba, Chubbard. Oh my gosh. That's awkward. I'm going to keep that in. I like those bloopers like that. My point being, both of them are getting enough work to where they could be considered in your lineups, but Hubbard has been getting, or at least just got, the more valuable touches in that offense. Not someone you must start, but someone who, okay, sure, could be a flex play in most leagues. I got one more backfield for you before we wrap things up with our final two segments, and it is the Atlanta backfield. I teased them at the beginning of the episode. Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley. This was Algier's week. He led the Falcons' backfield with 16 carries. Huntley saw six. Algier also scored. Now, prior to this game, Huntley and Algier have really been splitting the work, though Algier has seen a bit more involvement in the passing game while Cordero Patterson has been on IR. Here's the kicker. Algier and Huntley are short-term fixes. Maybe when Patterson comes back, because he and Damian Williams are both expected to return from the IR. That is the kicker right there. But there is a world where Algier continues to be the first, second short yardage goal line back in the Atlanta offense, while Patterson takes on more of a third down role. Maybe that's Damian Williams. Maybe Algier completely overtakes everyone. That is a possibility. But we don't know for certain. And there are too many factors working against Algier, like Huntley's presence, like Cordero coming back, like Damian Williams coming back, like Marcus Mariota being a viable rushing threat. For this week, I'd consider Algier as a high-end flex against a Carolina defense that's allowed the ninth most fantasy points to running backs. It's pretty simple. Atlanta will continue to run the ball. I think I highlighted that earlier when I was being extremely heartbroken over Kyle Pitts. Algier can have valuable opportunities. As for Huntley, I wouldn't think too much of him. I guess he's more of a one-week rental if you're truly desperate. Algier, definitely a short-term rental as well, but he does have a little more potential to be a viable starting player moving forward. I really didn't expect Algier to actually pick up the pace this last game. He was a rookie I said you should target in my rookie episode prior to the season, so I guess a little pat on the back there, nothing crazy. But this Atlanta backfield, like the other backfields, Proceed with caution. I'll keep this next segment short and sweet. General trade strategies. Talked about it in depth in my last episode. Feel free to download that. I start off with it. So it's right then and there for you. But again, with trade deadlines approaching, not just in the NFL, but in the fantasy football community, you got to keep in mind your position. If you were a bad team, you should probably sell one of your best players for two starters that you can have throughout the rest of the season. One for two, two for three. Or if you got a lot of bench players, maybe try to package an upgrade. The thing is, the best teams aren't going to want to break down their best players unless they're truly desperate. That cut brings me to one of the better teams. If you are one of those good teams at the top of the league, 
and you don't have any bench players, you really got to start looking at your bye weeks and especially the fantasy playoffs. What do you need then? What will you need then? Can you break down a player? Can you upgrade? You should be looking to upgrade if you have the bench depth to do so. But those are two general strategies you should consider based on your position in your league. And finally, I'm just going to rip right off of my article for the 33rd team. It is out now. Top streaming fantasy kickers and defenses for week eight. Obviously, that includes special teams. I did have someone comment that on my TikTok lately. Yes, DST is defense special team. Last week was pretty darn good. I nailed Jason Myers. Will Lutz and Greg Zerline had pretty good weeks. Defenses was a bit more rough. Luckily, I had the Dolphins in there. I can tell you right now. It'll probably be the same this week. Jason Myers versus the Giants, Greg Zerline versus the Patriots, and Cade York versus the Bengals. I all really like this week. You can read that full article at the 33rdteam.com. I tweeted it out on my Twitter, at ZachCohenFB. It is in the link in my bio, in my TikTok. Or again, simpler, 33rdteam.com, the fantasy section. As for the defenses, I don't love a lot of them. The Jets versus the Patriots is probably my top one. Jaguars versus the Broncos. I don't love the Jaguars defense individually, but it's a solid matchup. Panthers at the Falcons. The Panthers defense is probably the better one of the Jaguars and maybe the Jets, at least from a matchup standpoint, but it's also not one that should have a lot of upside. If you're starting the Panthers defense against the Falcons, you're probably expecting somewhere to five to seven, maybe eight, maybe four fantasy points. That's not great, but there also isn't much room for the other team to go off. The Broncos could pop off against the Jaguars in London. The Patriots, who knows, maybe they bounce back after Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones looked pretty bad last week. I'm just kidding. I really, the Patriots offense is is a target. Any defense that's playing the Patriots, you could probably start. I was originally going to have the Commanders and Colts defenses, and I think they're fine streaming options, but this game screams like a trap. Both defenses are just pretty bad in general, and while the offenses respectively aren't much better, there's no telling which defense of these two will come out on top in fantasy. Like, one of them could easily score 20 fantasy points, or just as easily score like negative five. That is the range for both of these options. I'd avoid streaming one of them unless you're truly desperate. Yeah, the upside is there. I like the upside a lot more than I like the upside of the Panthers and maybe the Jaguars. But for the most part, their floors are way lower. That'll do it for another quick episode of the Breakout Football Podcast here on the Believe Network. I am Zach Cohen. This has been sponsored by Prize Picks. Don't forget to tail my picks this week. Sign up, deposit on Prize Picks. You'll find my picks on Twitter at Zach Cohen FB. If you do not have access to Twitter or do not have a Twitter, feel free to hit me up either in the comment section by however you're listening, whatever podcast platform, or on any social media. I am at Zach Cohen FB everywhere with that we'll wrap it up here on bfp as always best of luck in week eight peace out thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.